Baker Mayfield is now the official starter for the Panthers going into week one. He beats out Sam Darnold for that starting position. The Lakers trade for Patrick Beverly. I'm, you know, he's a Lakers, so I'm going to support him, but I've never been the biggest fan of Beverly. I don't like his antics and his energy on the court, but I do respect that he is an above-average defender, so does improve the Lakers. We'll talk about it. Also, there's two draws we got to talk about. Champions League draw came out. Real Madrid has a pretty favorable group, um, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. And the U.S. Open draw is out. Nadal's path to his 23rd Grand Slam has been set. It does look manageable. We'll talk about it on this episode, episode 101 of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. Baker Mayfield is now the official starter for the Panthers going into this NFL season. Are we surprised? Are we really like shocked that he's the starter for the Panthers after trading for him, after seeing how bad Sam Darnold played last year? No, not really. Um, I had touched on this when they traded for him. And my prediction, I'm, I'm, I think I'll play the clip. Either way, it, this it, this is either going to play out. They're gonna, they're gonna, he's gonna win the starting job, or they're gonna kind of hand it to him. No matter what, either way, if he starts week one, they're gonna probably give him half the season to get it together. Ultimately, I don't think he's gonna get it together, and he's gonna get benched for Sam Darnold. And then I think Sam Darnold is not gonna play that good, and then they're gonna swap him in and out. Or the other scenario is Baker Mayfield is a little too late in the offseason. He's not gonna win the starting job week one. Sam Darnold is gonna be there week one. He's going to be given less than half the season because Baker Mayfield is that new toy that they just traded for. So Sam Darnold's not going to play good either. He's going to start three to four games. By that fourth game, he's going to get benched at halftime. Baker Mayfield's going to come in. He's probably going to give him a little bit of a spark just because it's something different. And then five weeks later, they're going to be jumbling quarterbacks again. But now it comes out that Baker Mayfield is, you know, the time is it's his time. It's his time to see if he could, you know, revitalize his career that, you know, probably hasn't gone as he's as he wished. He did get offered a long term deal last offseason with the Browns. He bet on himself. He wanted more money. He thought he could, you know, improve this this previous season. And he didn't. And now he's kind of paying for that. He should have signed that long term deal. Sometimes. Um. I forgot who said this, but, oh, I think it was Nick Wright. <laughs> it says, you know, we always hear about the the people that bet on themselves and win because, you know, it's obvious. Like, it's a good story. Everyone's going to know. But we never really hear about the stories where people bet on themselves and then they fell. And I think that was Baker Mayfield this time. He bet on himself and he got injured. His shoulder was hurting. He had some nagging injuries. And his play was just not good overall, even before the injury. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I do think he's... You know, probably slightly better than Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has more physical talents, I'd say, but Baker Mayfield has had more success in the NFL. So we'll see. I mean, they do have, you know, some McCaffrey back, and they have um, that underrated wide receiver, Moore. He's pretty good. He's really good, actually. Um, so we'll see how Sam Darnold does. We'll see how the offense caters to him. It'll be a big help if McCaffrey can stay healthy, but, you know, the last couple of years, uh, that hasn't been the case, so we'll see. What do you guys think? You think uh, Baker Mayfield is going to hold on to that starting position all 18 weeks? Or are you more like a mob boat or you think, yeah, this is going to be temporary? Like, it's cool that he's a start- week one starter, and congrats to him for beating out Sam Darnold in the-, the short time he was there. 
but I don't think this is this is gonna go too too hot. And you know, some of it is not his fault. Like the Panthers are not the best team either. But yeah, I don't think he has the talent to elevate a team or to hold on to this position when there's another quarterback like hungry trying to play too. And the team is, you know, not that talented. But we'll see. Maybe he proves me wrong. Like, hey, he's been pro- he's been proving people wrong his whole life, being a walk on in college. You know, Heisman, all that good stuff. Number one overall pick, playing QB position, and you know, not the not being the tallest person and playing the QB position in the NFL. So you know, you never know. I wish him the best. Baker Mayfield's cool. Um, when he when he's playing good and his swag is like, you know, high. He's a very entertaining player, and he I like how he kind of carries himself. His commercials kind of funny, so you know this pivotal year. Like we're we're in that time where he could either you know revitalize his career or you know career backup for the rest of your NFL career. So it's it's a big year for Baker Mayfield, and we'll see how he does. But now we got to talk about Patrick Beverly, Patrick Beverly to the Lakers. Like this is some crazy stuff. Patrick Beverly, who you know. Most people will remember him from his time with the Clippers. You know, he was good with the Rockets. Um, you know, Westbrook and Patrick Beverly, they have their history. That's one of the main reactions that people were saying. Like, how is Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook going to coincide? Um, a lot of people just took it like it probably means Russell Westbrook is, is out of here. He's going to leave. Um, and then there's other people that think it could work. You know, like Kendrick Perkins today, he said that Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook actually could be the most dangerous defensive backcourt in the NBA. I, I could see where he's coming from because Patrick Beverly is like a very ten- tenacious defender, and he he's like he's like a nuisance. He's a gnat, and like he's just gonna be all up on your grill the whole game. And you know, sometimes his actual defense gets a little overrated, but. His effort has never been overrated at all. Like he brings it every every day. Like on defense, he's always on it. Like yeah, he's you know six one, six two, six three, six three on a generous day. He's more like six six zero, six one. But he always tries. He always brings that energy. Uh, he's not necessarily like the most lockdown defender. He is good at poking balls out. He's good at stealing. He's a good defender. But he, I think his defense sometimes gets overrated. His effort never gets overrated. Like he's just gonna chase you around. He's going to switch on everybody. He's going to have the energy. So that's good. I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, but we'll see. Patrick Beverly did hurt Russell Westbrook um, when he was with the Rockets. And co- kind of cost OKC a championship. Uh, they, they were, like, you know, one of the favorites to win it. And then Russell Westbrook uh, had to have, you know, stuff done on his knee. And he was out for the playoffs. And KD and OKC eventually lost. And then they've had other encounters. Um Westbrook has said that, you know, he's fooling everybody. He's just running around. And then uh, Patrick Bev was, like, you know, kind of getting on his grill, uh, going on, you know, sports shows, talking about Russell Westbrook. And, you know, it's it's been funny to see it happen, but we'll see how it plays out. Like, does it mean Westbrook is going to leave? You know, probably, like... It's been no secret the Lakers have been trying to move Westbrook this whole offseason, or at least the last, like, two months, like, really, like, actively trying to get rid of him. So I don't think Patrick Beverly even adds. Maybe it does add a little bit just because they don't mix, but, like, they were already trying to move him. Um, But, yeah, like Rob Pelinka said, Beverly's toughness and competitive spirit. 
that's that's what Patrick Beverly brings. Like I don't think people are saying he's a catch and shoot shooter. Like yeah, he's decent, um, but he's gonna shoot like two a game if like maybe three if that. Like he's really just coming for the defense. On the trade part, THT, he had his moments, but for like the last year and a half, it's just been, you know, nothing. Like just a lot of dumb tone nervers. Looks like he wasn't really um improving as a player and i don't know if that's on the lakers or if that's on tht like the lakers players have gone on to other teams and you know been relatively successful like they've actually like developed their game lonzo is good um, brandon ingram's good randall you know he got paid he had a, like one really good year with the knicks we'll see how he does this year after a down year last year but we'll see how tht does like he like when he's playing good tht does have like he does have like you know some NBA talent that you're like whoa this he could you know he controls his body pretty good he knows how to use it he knows how to throw it around and um, get contact and you know he could score he, he could get a bucket and then there's other games where he's just like bro you're you're the worst three point shooter in the NBA dude like don't shoot a three just go to attack the attack the rim and then you attack the rim and your handles aren't the crisp crispiest and you you know you get stuck in the air and you just cause turnovers so you know. Am I super stoked about this trade? I'm kind of indifferent, like, to be honest. Like, yeah, like, THT is young, and I liked him when he was coming, when he first got to Lakers, and I thought, you know, we draft pretty good, and that was, you know, a low-keyest deal that we got him. And I was hopeful to see him develop, but not too mad about it. Um, Patrick Beverly, I think he is going to be good with the Lakers, like, defense that spirit like if we do keep westbrook if we do keep them together it's gonna be hilarious it's gonna be like reality tv show but you know he might be he might actually be a player that gets westbrook to like try just out of pure ego like out of pure like i don't know i don't want this guy to outdo me like i've talked so much in our teammates we're literally being compared against each other like every game like you know, so we'll see. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe like Patrick Beverly being with the Lakers is going to motivate Westbrook. Like he's going to try even harder just because it's like, bro, like they're trading for this guy. Like, how is his trade going to be more impactful than when they traded for me? And just out of pure like, you know, jealousy or pure, you know, ego, he's going to try better. But we'll see. We'll see. Like I, I, I'm pretty sure we're the Lakers are still trying to get rid of Westbrook, and we'll see where he ends up. Like that Buddy Hield and Miles Turner has been lingering for like what seems like two years now. So we'll see. We'll see how it happens. Uh, let me know what you guys think, Laker fans, NBA fans. Like, is this is this does this really move the needle? Does this do anything? Uh, if anything, maybe it moves the, need, the needle a little bit, just because you know. Patrick Beverly is a dog. Like, he's one of those players that you hate to play against. You hate when, you know, he's on a rival team, especially. And then, uh, but, like, you're supposed to love him. That's, that's that's what everybody says. Like, you're just supposed to love it when he's on your team. And the Lakers haven't really had someone like that in a while. Like, maybe Morris, but I think the other Morris was a little more like that. The Morris that we had is a little more low-key. Like, he'll get, he'll fight a little bit and he'll cause a scuffle, but... He doesn't do it, like, consistently the whole game. Uh, maybe Montrezl Harrell, but, you know, he didn't really shine that well with us. So so we'll see. Like, who, what was the last nuisance that the Lakers had that was, like, one of those players that you say you hate to play against him, but you love him on your team? Who's the last Laker player to, to do that? I can't remember. 
like even Caruso, I don't think Caruso played like I don't think anyone really hates playing against Caruso. He's just you just love him. So I don't know. Let me guys let me let you guys let me know who you guys think is the last like new since player the Lakers had. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. But now we have Beverly, and you know, you play that Draymond Green role where he's just energizer bunny, he brings the energy, he, you know, gets everyone fired up, he gets he'll get the crowd going, you know, just because he's not shy to go up to the crowd and tell them to like, you know, stand the fuck up and give us some energy. So we'll see. I'm I'm now that I keep thinking about it, I might be a little excited to see how he uh, pumps up the the Lakers, you know? Shout at Westbrook. Someone has to break through with Westbrook. That has been his problem his whole career kinda. Like with Billy Donovan and you know, all the coaches, they just can't get through to him. They can't tell him to like you know, try on defense, not just walk around. Even when he was with OKC. So we'll see. We'll see what, how Beverly does. Uh, I'm definitely, now that I've talked about it, I'm definitely a little bit more open than when I first started talking about it or when the trade first went down. But we'll see. And now we have come to the time to talk about two draws, two very important draws. The U.S. Open draw and the Champions League draw. I think I'll start with the Champions League draw first. We have A through H groups. I'll quickly go over them. Uh, group A, Ajax, Liverpool, Napoli, Rangers. Pretty good group. Liverpool, Napoli, the clear favorites to get out of there. Ajax, Hawks. Um, they're uh, they're definitely a team to be in there too. But Napoli, we'll see how they get out. Group B: Porto, Atletico Madrid, Bayern, Leverkusen, Club Brugge. Bru- 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 uh, Porto, Madrid. It's a pretty solid group. Atletico Madrid, the strongest team in there. Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Inter Milan, Victoria, Pleasant. <laughs> Barcelona might not make it out of the group stage, man. Inter Milan, Bayern, two tough, two tough uh, teams in the Barcelona group. Bayern, Barcelona is going to be must-watch TV. We'll see what happens with that game. Uh, group D, Frankfurt, uh, Spurs, Sporting, and Marseille. Uh, Spurs, I think they get out and because they have content. He's a beast of a coach. And then after that, either Frankfurt or Marcel, Marcel. But we'll see. Sporting. I like sporting. I like sporting too, but we'll see how they do. And then Group E, AC Milan, Chelsea, Salzburg, and Dinamo Zagreb. I think AC Milan and Chelsea, but don't count out Salzburg. Um, and actually, it should be Milan and Chelsea pretty easily. Although Chelsea hasn't been that impressive to start the season. Group F, Real Madrid, Leipzig, Shakhtar, Donix, and Celtic. Should be uh, Leipzig and Madrid. And then Group G, City, Sevilla, Borussia, and Copenhagen. It's a pretty interesting group. Um, that one's kind of tough. City, obviously, they have the most deep team in the world. Sevilla, they're uh, Mr. Uh, UEFA, Mr. Europa League. And then Borussia. Borussia, uh, we'll see how they do. I would say City and Borussia. And Sevilla probably are a strong third, and they go to the to the Europa League. And then Group H, PSG, Juve, Benfica, and Maccabi Haifa. That one's pretty interesting. PSG and Juve are the clear favorites. Benfica will definitely have a say. But overall, interesting draw. Interesting draw. I think as a Real Madrid fan, I'm pretty content with the group. RB Leipzig, Shakhtar, and Celtic. We'll see how they do. We'll see how the boys do. I think... Real Madrid is damn near a lock to make it to the to the knockout stages. 
I think uh, obviously Manchester City is a log. And then after that, um, let's see. Liverpool, Napoli. Liverpool, I wouldn't say it's a lock. Um, yeah, the groups are pretty balanced. AC Milan, Chelsea, Salzburg. One of those two, AC Milan and Chelsea, I'm pretty sure those two will get out. Yeah, I think uh, overall, I think the groups are pretty balanced. I, I like uh, I like how the groups are looking. Um, I think the most interesting part of this draw is definitely the Barcelona-Bayern uh, being paired up in the same... Uh, in the same group like that that's gonna be fun like there's a lot of history there um barcelona spent a lot of money this uh, this year a lot of money like a lot and they mortgaged their future too so they definitely need to go deep into this tournament they need to go deep they need to get that prize money they need to get you know their fans getting into their team spending money on their team they need they need all the revenue they could get and uh We'll see. We'll see how they do, but definitely a tough group for Barcelona, Bayern, Barcelona, Inter. Inter is a good team. Lautaro Martinez, he's a beast, man. Argentina has a good team right now. On like, just to segue real quick, Argentina has a pretty deep squad. They have a lot of players going forward, and Lautaro is one of them. Um, We'll see how Tottenham does in the return to the Champions League. Like I said, I like Conte a lot. I think Conte is a great coach. I like the energy that he brings. I like how he, yeah, that little little um, that little altercation with Tuchel. I think that was cool. Like I'm pretty sure the the players are gonna love him, or like that's something that makes the players just like defend the 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 crest even harder for the team, like. Oh, I just thought Lewandowski's returning to Bayern. Now he's gonna, now he's gonna be um, with Barcelona. So that's pretty crazy. Um, and Holland is with Manchester City, and Borussia's in their group. Aha, uh-huh, that's crazy. Di Maria is gonna play against Benfica and against PSG. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm excited to see uh, Lewandowski. I was already Barcelona. Le- um, Bayern was already like the coolest one. Even as a Real Madrid fan, like I'm kind of rooting for a blowout <laughs> Bayern way. But like, there's people talking about is this rigged? Like all this, uh, all these matchups. You know, Liverpool, Napoli, Atletico Madrid, Porto, Bayern, Barca, Spurs, Sporting, Sporting, Chelsea, Milan, Real Madrid, City, PSG, Juventus. We'll see how Juve does. Um, there's a little bit of days in the transfer window left. We'll see if Ronaldo gets a, cha- uh, a transfer to one of these teams. Like, Mr. Champions League is not in the Champions League. So, man, we'll see. We'll see. Like, United is still trying to uh, get Frankie De Jong. Um, like, I, I kind of want Ronaldo to go somewhere. Even Chelsea, that'd be cool. Um they Chelsea's been struggling, so I could see them doing some like last minute last minute stuff to like get their team better. Um, but we'll see. What do you guys think about the Champions League draw? Like, I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's pretty it's pretty nicely spread draw. Um, as always, like the main reactions I'm seeing from this is uh, Real Madrid getting an easy draw, even though Real Madrid just had the the hardest path to a Champions League victory like ever. PSG, City, Liverpool. Um, 
who else? Chelsea, like, bro, come on, are you serious? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, they went through the hardest path. Like, stop that nonsense. And obviously, Barcelona versus Bayern, that's going to be crazy. That's going to be fun. <sighs> but we'll see. Like, I want Ronaldo in Champions League, so we'll see if anybody makes a transfer him for him. And I'm excited to see all these returns of players to the to their or previous teams. Like, that's going to be fun. But let me know what you guys think about this UCL draw. Um, who do you guys think uh, could potentially get knocked out in the first round? I'm, I'm seeing Juve. A lot of people think Juve might not make it out of the group. We'll see. We'll see. The old the old lady. And now let's do the... Let's wrap this podcast up uh, going over the U.S. men's singles draw for the U.S. Open. Um, a lot of people... There's always people that complain with the draws. As And it makes sense. Like, obviously, um, fans are going to defend their favorite players. They're going to try to, you know, get a get a topic moving their way, sway the conversation to make their favorite player look more impressive. And uh, we'll just see. Uh, so Nadal's draw for the for this fifth U.S. Open would be round one um, wild card Hijikata. Round two, Karatsev. Round three, Kekmanovic. Round four, Schwarzman. Happy birthday, Schwarzman. He just turned 30. Um, quarterfinals, Cameron Nori. Semifinals, Alcraz. And final, Medvedev. That's his pre- predicted um, route to the U.S. Open. And honestly, I don't, I don't know why people are tripping so hard. Medvedev, returning champion, obviously in the final. Um, he's, he's predicted to be in the final, number one seed. Um, he's a beast, defensive player. Should have maybe beat him at the Australian Open, but kind of choked it, and the dog came back. Alcaraz, um, this he's definitely cooled down the second half of 2022, but he's a beast. Like that's not an easy walk. Alcaraz already defeated Nadal this year, I believe, in Madrid. Cameron Norrie's having the best year of his career. He's, I think, he's number ten now in the world. He's the number seven. Um, um seed in the u.s open cameron norris i think he made the semis at the wimbledon he made like quarters around the 16 at roland garros he's having a great year like amazing year um cameron norris is like no easy player like he keeps he'll return everything like he'll make you really beat him schwartzman um you know schwartzman just keeps you know staying in the top 20 consistently staying in the top 20 Kikmanovic, he's had some good results too. I think I remember seeing him do really good at... It was either the... I'm pretty sure it was Miami that I saw him um, do good. So he's, you know, obviously Nadal is going to be favorite in all of these. But, like, is it a, is it a cakewalk? Miami Open, yeah. He made it to the quarterfinals uh, in the three-set tiebreak against... Alcaraz. I remember that. That was yeah, that was great. He and he beat Taylor Fritz, Sebastian Corda, Felix, FAA, Felix Algerlicium, Jack Sock in the Miami Open. Like that was a good run. And he almost beat Alcaraz. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was he was good. He's good. That's not um and then in the Serbia Open he took uh Djokovic to three sets. You know, pretty impressive. Like let's let's just see uh, semifinal of the Barbarian Open, Madrid Open, 
He oh he lost to Nadal, uh, tiebreak in the second round. So he's played Nadal this year. Uh, first round he lost to Schwartzman, French Open. He got to the third round, Medvedev. Uh, lost to Ari. Lost to Malkan. Wimbledon. He lost to Djokovic. Okay, so you know Djokovic had him on his path to to Wimbledon, third round. Uh, exactly where he's supposed to have Nadal this year. Karatsev, really, really hard 2022. He struggled so much. Um, he's not even seeded. He was like a top 20 seed last year. Came out of nowhere. I saw countless videos on YouTube talking about how he rose to, you know, top top 15 ranking in the world. I think top 20, top 15 maybe. Um, Hijikata, yeah. So, honestly, I don't think it's the easiest draw. Like, obviously, there's it's not the hardest. It, he could have had a Kyrio somewhere in there. Because he's still not like the highest ranking player, you know he could have had, uh, but there's players missing too. Like Zverev's not there, so he would have been somewhere, or that would have completely shaped, shaken up the draft. If um, and Djokovic is not there, so that would that would have you know you got to consider that. Like two top players means that you know some of these paths are not gonna have an, another quality player against them. But like I said. Hijikata, Karatsev, Kekmanovic, Schwartzman, like he should be all of those pretty comfortably, if I do say so myself. Um, Karatsev could, if he gets hot, you know, he could um, challenge him with this forehand. Kekmanovic, he's pretty consistent, but or he's when he's on, he's pretty consistent. But Nadal should be able to beat him. Schwartzman could give him a little, little bit of trouble. I, I believe Schwartzman has even beaten him in clay, so he's had some success against Nadal. Uh, but I don't think uh, I don't think Schwartzman's in the best form right now. Nori, Akras, Medvedev, quarterfinal, semifinal, final. That's that's not the easiest of draw. But I see where people are coming from. They're always gonna they're always gonna hate on you know everything. So I'm not surprised. Um, if we were to quickly look at Medvedev's before we wrap this up, Rublev's draw. Dear Kawan Shapovalov. Oh, I guess he could have gotten I guess he could have gotten Shapo. But Shapo he's struggling too. Nori Rune, Nadal Schwartzman. Oh, okay. So you know, Nadal could face Rublev in the quarterfinals instead of Schwartzman. I think maybe people rate uh Rublev a little bit higher than Schwartzman. Um did, did Rublev fall off the map on the rankings? Or why don't they have um Eleven. Schwarzman sixteen. Nadal shorts. Oh, cause it'll be Nadal or Schwarzman. Yeah, cause Schwarzman would lose to Nadal. So quarterfinal. Oh, so it could be it could be um it could be Rublev instead of uh instead of Nori. Which I think people would say it's a little bit harder. So Rublev, Rublev, Alcaraz, Medvedev, quarterfinal, semifinal, final. If you, if you don't rate uh, Nori like that, I think. But Rublev, you know, he's not in the hottest form either. And Sinner, let's look at Sinners real quick. Lucky Loser, Greg Skipor, Chapo, um, FAA, Nadal. Let's see, Berrettini's, Draper, Senego, Kyrgios, Medvedev, Nori. Whew. 
Yeah, good luck, Berrettini. Kyrgios, Medvedev, Nori, starting in round three. That's pretty intense. Um, let's see. Felix would get uh, Qualifier, Draper, Kachanov, Karenio Busta, or Dziminar, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, or Rude. Honestly, there's not too many people that are going to challenge for this title. It's either Medvedev, Nadal, Kyrgios, um... Like, not having Zverev and Djokovic, like, two people that could have legit won this. Like, who who really could win it? It's either Medvedev, Nadal, Alcaraz, Kyrgios, uh, maybe Tsitsipas, but I don't think he will. I think I, I think he has Kyrgios in his jaw. And Kyrgios has Medvedev in their jaw, too. So, that's crazy. So... I mean, what are you guys thinking? Like, I'm super pumped. Like, the, we're, like, three days away from it officially starting. And I'm pumped. Regardless if Djokovic is not there, I see where people are coming from. But, like Nadal said, the sport is bigger than any player. And I'm going to be excited regardless. I'm super pumped up to see how this plays out. But let me know what you guys think. We quickly went over some of the U.S. Open draws. Uh, oh, Nick Kyrgios is going against Tanasi Kokonakis in the first round. That that's gonna be so sick like i'm that's gonna be fun um let me just look quickly at curio's draw okay so here's nadal's virginia uh, karatev kichmanovich oh tiafo so the hardest it could probably get it's tiafo rublev akras mostly anyways Kyrgios has uh is gonna be in the same path as Danny Medvedev, so he he'll kind of just take over uh Daniel Medvedev's uh path. So okay, here we go. Nick Kyrgios' potential path to victory at the U.S. Open: Kokonakis, Humbert, Carano Bustas, Medvedev, FAA, TC Paz, and Nadal. Sheesh! This is actually pretty good. Like. Uh, he should be Kokonakis. That's gonna, emotions are gonna be high. Uh, he did talk about how um, when he played uh, Deminar at the was it the Montreal? Like it was a hard, it was a hard. I think Montreal or Cincinnati, one of those two. It was like tough for him. He just wanted to get it over because you know that's his boy. So it's gonna be even harder with Kokonakis. Like if he if that affected him with Deminar Kokonakis, he's gonna be all over the place. So maybe upset potential, but he should be Humbert. He should be able to take care of Carano Busta, even though Carano Busta just won his first Masters 1000 winning at Cincinnati. And Medvedev, he's like two and f like one and three against Medvedev. Audrey Elysium, um, we'll see how he does. Tsitsipas, he's he's like has a good record against Tsitsipas too. Kyrgios could do it, man. Kyrgios could do it. We'll see how you see. We'll see how it goes out. But like, I'm super pumped up for the U.S. Open. I hope you guys are too. This has been episode 101 of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Have a great rest of your Friday. Have a good day.